Thank you so much. How's everyone today? We're good. It's such an honor to be back uh, here at your great church. And um, just want to say a massive thank you to Pastor Mark and Nina and the team here for your love and your hospitality. Uh, I've been ministering at a prophetic conference here over the weekend. And it's just great that it's uh, coincided with uh, me being able to be here today. Uh, I want to welcome everyone at Redcliffe. Why don't we put our hands together and welcome everyone who's watching uh, this message from Redcliffe. And also, I just noticed it's a great honour to have uh, Mari Cartledge here today. And uh, we've never met, but uh, you and your husband have been such a blessing to the body of Christ. And we just honour you so much. And yeah, let's honour her. I want to begin something this morning, but I really believe tonight is uh, going to be uh, significant in, in uh, coming out of what I speak about this morning. I would encourage you to come back tonight. I really believe that um, as I've been seeing and we've been seeing amazing miracles of healing in our own church and uh, prophetic uh, uh, words and, and words of knowledge, I believe that as we build from this morning into tonight, let's just put, pack this place out and come with an expectation. I know today there are sick people in this room, you're going to be healed. Uh, I know today that there are people whose lives are going to be turned around by the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I just encourage you, as you've been building into prayer and fasting to begin a new year, let's be hungry for the presence of God. Let's come and be a part of all that God is doing. Hey, let's pray together. Father, why don't you just lift your hands? Father, we just welcome you. We welcome your Holy Spirit here. We welcome your presence here. I ask God that you would manifest your glory, manifest your presence in this room. Lord, will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Holy Spirit, quicken, O oh God, to our hearts and our minds, O oh God, the Word of the Lord today. Lord, you love your church, you love your people. And God, we're here not just to attend another Sunday service or meeting, but we want another encounter with you. And I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would speak, that you would move, that God, you would heal sick people, that God, people who've struggled and wrestled, oh God, with all sorts of diseases and sicknesses and back injuries, oh God, by the end of this day, totally transformed and healed in Jesus' name. Why don't we just begin to speak in tongues, lift our voice right now and just begin to intercede right now. Just stir up your gift. Just stir up your spirit right now. As we just wait upon the Lord. We love you, Jesus. We honour you, Jesus. We welcome you, Jesus. Jesus, the healer, just come and minister healing in this room right now. Jesus, the prophet, come and reveal, oh God, your heart, the Father's heart, oh God, to us right now. Jesus, the teacher, come and teach us your word right now, Jesus. Fill this house with your glory. Fill this house with your presence. Oh God, at Redcliffe, fill your house today, oh God. Lord, let there be a hunger and a thirst and an expectation in our spirit, oh God. Lord, 
we're hungry for you to move in our lives. We're hungry for you to speak to us today, oh God. God, we need you. We need you, God. Lord, the city of Brisbane needs you. The state of Queensland needs you. Thank you, Father, that revival is still on the menu and we can still believe for it and ask for it, oh God. Will you not revive us again, oh God, that your people may rejoice in you? I'm asking, oh God, for an outbreak of your spirit, Lord, in your church today, oh God. Let it be marked. Let there be a mark of your spirit, oh God, that marks emerged church, that marks the body of Christ in this city and state. Father, I thank you today. I thank you today. Several months ago, I was, uh, maybe you can just stay for a little bit longer, thank you. Um, several months ago, after uh, the outpouring of the Spirit in our church, I was in a prayer meeting with our team and our staff team. We were praying eight hours a day for several months. Um, all work and everything was not the same as what it normally is from week to week. And one of the visions that God showed me was of all these jigsaw pieces suspended in the air in front of me and each of the jigsaw pieces was a map like an atlas and all in different shapes and sizes and a jigsaw piece the shape of Queensland came up into the front of my face and it actually had the map and the outline of the state of Queensland and all the different cities something that you would see on a map and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and He says, as I'm moving in revival in Melbourne, I'm about to break out in revival in Queensland. And I just want to tell you today that uh, you are on the Father's heart. This city of Brisbane, the state of Queensland is on the Father's heart. And we don't just need one church firing. We need every church in revival. And I believe that the Lord has not simply asked me to be here by, you know, uh, uh, coincidence, but that the Lord wants to add and speak into something of that nature today. I want to invite you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 57. Thank you so much. Isaiah chapter 57. And uh, I want to read through from vo uh, verse 14 to verse 15. And uh, if ever there was a passage of Scripture on revival, uh, this is it. And the, the prophet says, Isaiah 57, 14 to 15, And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. Very powerful move of the Holy Spirit there. I don't know what's happening. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him or her who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I wanna to speak to you this morning on preparing for revival. Preparing for revival. Because if there is one key theme that is coming through prophetic words and revelations in this hour is that we are on a one road trajectory towards the greatest outpouring of the Spirit that this nation has ever seen. I believe it because I've witnessed it and I've seen it. On August 28th of last year in our church will forever be known as Super Bowl Sunday. 
And the reason is, is because at midday during our second service, after we just had revival conference the days prior, I prayed a simple prayer on the side tunnel of our auditorium as the altars were being opened in our second service and at our main location in um, downtown Melbourne, we have four services on a Sunday, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and uh, I, uh, the guest ministry had opened the altars up, quickly went to the bathroom. As I'm walking down the side tunnel, I prayed a very simple prayer. I said, Lord, will you father me? I wasn't asking God for revival. I didn't ask God, uh, Lord, will, will you um, fill me with more of your spirit? I simply pray, God, will you father me? I, I, since then, I've come to discover that is a very dangerous prayer. I had a revelation of the Father heart of God. I understand that I'm his son and that he loves me. I understand the Father's love. I understand my identity is not in my ministry. It's not in my gift. It's not in my reputational status. My identity is in Christ. But there was this cry within me for, the, for Father God to, to, to father me and to minister in my life at a deeper level. I hadn't walked more than 10 meters when the Spirit of God said to me and stopped me and said, are you serious about that? And I said, yes, sir, I am. I, I'm asking you to father me at a deeper level. Five minutes later, as I walked into the auditorium, the altars were filled, our auditorium was filled, and I began to minister to people. Little did I know the Holy Spirit wanted to blast me with a Holy Ghost cannon that would actually totally not only change my life, but arrest the attention of our church. And I found myself not only on the ground under the presence and glory of the power of God, but, but all of a sudden, pandemonium started to break out in our congregation. And, and, and the Lord began to speak to me as I was out in the spirit about calling the church back on Tuesday night to come back for revival meetings and revival services. And, and then he asked me, it was about 20, 30 minutes went by and he asked me to get up. And the problem with that was I couldn't get up. And, and this was not characteristic of my personality. I, I don't know about you, I like to be in control of all my faculties. And, and I was not in control. The Holy Spirit had impacted me in a way I'd never experienced before, uh, even though I'd had many encounters with God, but this was something of otherworldly and I needed three people to help me up. And as I came up side of stage onto the platform, I, I, out of my mouth, I said, I've got a confession to make at which my beautiful wife immediately hit the floor thinking, oh no, my husband is about to repent of some scandalous sin in front of everybody. And, and, uh, and it was far from that, although it was something I needed to repent of. And I stood in front of the congregation and I said I repent of man-made control with that a big cheer of 900 people went up in the auditorium and I said it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and from that one encounter from that one declaration that service went for another 12 hours to 9 p.m that night all of four services just bled into uh, the, the other. And for 12 hours, I saw the greatest outpouring 
of deliverance ministry, healings, of baptisms in the Spirit, of conversions. People were, were being called up on their holiday, driving back two hours away to come and encounter the God of revival that was breaking out in our church. And from August 28th to this day, we have seen over 400 healings, recorded healings and miracles in the life of the church. We've seen 10 cancer patients totally healed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit confirmed with scans. We've seen one blind eye open. A man who had no optic nerve in his left eye had a creative miracle where he got prayed for and two days later walking downtown Bang at Bangkok in uh, Chinatown, he was on a holiday. His left eye opened in Jesus' name and he shrieked and screamed and, and stumbled because his depth perception wasn't there. We've had people with, we've had two deaf ears open. We've, we've had crutches left at the altar, fractured patellas completely healed. The, the list goes on and on and on. We've had deliverances and, and, and conversions. We've had 20 to 30 pastors flying in from around the world, Czech Republic, New Zealand, every other week for one night just to encounter the Holy Spirit in our revival service. I'm telling you, we are on the cusp, not just one church, but the body of Christ, of a major move of the Spirit of God. And there's a few things that I've learned, even in a very short period of time, about the move of God that the prophet Isaiah prophesied about many, many years ago. If we are gonna prepare for revival, if a merged church is gonna come into the greatest move of the Spirit of God that it's ever seen, there are some foundational things that we need to wrap our minds and hearts around and be open to. And one of those things is that honour is foundational. The Bible says in verse 14 of this prophecy, remove every obstruction from my people's way. One of the greatest obstacles to revival is our lack of honour for God moving on His terms. Too many believers, too many leaders are content to build a great church, but they're not hungry for a move of God. And one of the reasons why is because a move of God comes with mess. I don't know about you, but I wanted God to move in a nice, neat, orderly way according to my palate, according to my taste, according to my comfort zone. If your relationship with God is so neat and nice that you have no room for the mess of a move of God in your life, you're not in relationship with the real gospel. You're not in relationship with the real Holy Spirit. God does not conform to our palate, our design or our taste. We adjust to Him. And wherever the dove goes, we goes. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I was invited to speak at a conference years ago where, where the, the host of the conference read the right act to me about what I could do and what I couldn't do. 
You can't prophesy over the first three rows because that's where all the, you know, heavyweight hitters hit. You've got to prophesy over everyone else at the back because apparently people who sit at the back are less spiritual than the people at the front. How many know? Not true. And, and so, and, and, and you've got to, you know, do this and do that. And you can't preach about revival. And I just said, look, sir, thank you so much for the invitation, but I'm not your man. Uh, do you even know how the Holy Spirit works? Do you know how the Holy Spirit moves? I don't get to pre-select who I prophesy over. Over and what takes place and how this all looks, we just follow the Holy Spirit. And, and I realize in this conversation is that he wanted a move of God, but he wanted it on his terms. One of the best revival passages in the Bible is Proverbs 14.4, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops comes by the mess and strength of the ox. I want to tell you today, revival is messy. It introduces new ways of being offended. And that's why the move of God is only given to childlike faith. It's only given to those who'd be willing to humble themselves and have their minds renewed and have a childlikeness that says, God, I want you for who you are on your terms, not for all of the filters and sophistication and the complexity and the paradigms of my apparent maturity that I have boxed you up in. Is it okay if I preach truth today? You see, when Jesus read out his job description in Luke chapter 4, there was immediate offence amongst his peers of the day in the temple. As he read out, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news, etc., etc. Open blind eyes, proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. There were people around him that he grew up with that while they were amazed and astonished, they, they were offended because they were overly familiar with him. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not, you know, Mary's son? I mean, who does this guy think he is? And the Bible says that Jesus, the Son of God, could not do many mighty miracles there, primarily because of the dishonour of those around him to the anointing that he carried in his life and according to who he is. And Jesus said, a prophet is without honour in their own hometown. <clears throat> Where there is a lack of honour, there will always be unbelief for the God of miracles to move powerfully in our midst. Unbelief is always attached to a lack of honour for what God is doing or how He is using someone. I've discovered many people would rather be an expert in the old thing rather than being a novice in the new thing. Many people would rather sort of be, be someone who is, is familiar and in control and knows exactly what they're dealing with rather than stepping from glory to glory and strength to strength and moving into a new dimension and a new move of the Spirit of God and being very much a novice in it because they are familiar, because they understand how God once moved, they presume that that's always how God is going to move. When the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever, it's not talking about the way that God moves or how God moves, it's talking about the character of God. 
Aren't you glad God is always good? He's consistently loving. He's gracious. He's merciful. But how the Holy Spirit works in your life and moves in your life is fundamentally different in each season of your life. Praise God for 2022. God wants to do a new thing in your life this year. God wants to do a new thing in your ministry, in this house this year. God wants to do a new thing in your family this year. What's the word of the Lord for your life this year? What's the word of the Lord for this house this year? That God is wanting to stir our hearts for a new move of His Spirit in this hour. Behold, Isaiah said in chapter 43, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. And when you give honour to what God is doing, you get into the slipstream of the river of the Spirit. People really get nervous when they start hearing messages or talk about revival because they're worried about potential excess. But what if it spills over into the flesh? Oh, we wouldn't want that. And so what often happens is we allow our lack of experience of God, our lack of hunger for God, become the measuring stick for somebody else's experience of God or somebody else's understanding of God. I have studied revivals throughout history. No revival has ended because of excess. They've always ended because of man-made control. John Wesley, the great revivalist of the awakening, said, God, give us revival without its defects. But if we can't have revival without defects, just give us revival. Sometimes we don't know what, what and we're so quick to judge what it is that people are doing and what it is that, that we perceive. Oh, that's just in the flesh. Why does that person shake, rattle and roll like that? Why, why do they draw attention? Why is this? And we're quick to judge because we've never got hungry enough ourselves for God in all of His glory and all of His fullness and brilliance to actually get outside of our control and our mindset to allow Him to do something new inside of us. Honour is foundational to a move of God. I'm going to jump over a few things because I do want to open up the altars for us to respond today. And I also want to say hunger is necessary. Proverbs 27.7 says, One who is full loathes honey, that which is sweet. But to one who is hungry... Everything bitter is sweet. Do you know the first sign of the morbidly sick is they lose hunger. Both as a police officer, uh, many over two decades ago, and dealing with people, knocking on death's door, as well as working in hospitals before that, and, and then seeing my own mother pass away seven years ago of a 25-year lung disease, you see that one of the first signs of people who are sick in their body and particularly facing death is they lose hunger. The same applies in the spirit realm. First sign of spiritual death, impending spiritual death, is a lack of hunger. That's why you never listen to a complacent believer tell you what God is apparently doing in the earth today. I don't listen to consumer Christians who are just content for God to fit into a compartment of their lives for 90 minutes on a Sunday, tell me what God's up to or what He isn't up to because they're not hungry. 
Only those who are hungry, only those who are not complacent, only those who are childlike, only those who are pressing into God can actually accurately discern what God is up to. Because when you're hungry for God, you extract whatever is good from a bad situation. Because you're so enamored with His goodness, you're so enamored with His grace, that nothing of this world that is terrible or bad that we may have encountered, and I've been through some, I'm not a virgin voice, I've been through some bad, terrible situations just like you have. But when you're so enamored with the vision of who Jesus is, and you're so hungry and childlike from Him, you will extract whatever is good from a bad situation. You may need to wrestle. You may need to work through some stuff. But you're so captivated by the glory and image of who He is, it changes how you live your life in the natural realm. You know, when the Syrophoenician woman asked Jesus to heal her daughter, Jesus was very offensive. He says, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She was a Gentile. She was a non-Jew and children's bread speaks of that which was set apart for God's chosen people, the Jews. He, He was actually trying to dissuade her, trying to test her, trying to see where her faith level was at and she responds back, yes, but master, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table and Jesus says, I like you. You won't allow your spirit to be offended to the point of turning away, but you're so hungry that even in the midst of the offense, you'll continue to pursue me. You'll continue to go after me. Hunger looks past offense. Whatever you want from God is on the other side of your offense. And many people erect fences around them in their faith, in their church experience, in their relationship with God. And they never get over and they never break through and they wonder why they keep going around the mountain one after the other. It's because they've created and built fences around them because of offense towards God and what God didn't do in their past and what God should have done. And and then they transfer that, project that to the pastors of the church. And 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 so many believers have walked out of the doors of the church and have missed their moment of visitation and breakthrough because they've allowed offense and bitterness to shape their filter of who God is. God will often move in ways that offend our minds to reveal what's in our hearts. I want to tell you over the last five months, I've seen more bizarre manifestations of the Spirit than I have in my life. I mean, you can, you know, just imagine anything, bottle up. That's what's happened in our church and wherever I've gone and ministered in the last five months. There has been amazing manifestations that sometimes it's like, you know, my threshold for the wild and bizarre is at a lot higher level now. Why? Because I want revival even with its defects because I don't want to miss what God is wanting to do in this hour. I'm not wanting to miss that our day of visitation. The great thing about hunger is it doesn't require giftedness. All it requires is desire. Many of us exclude ourselves because we think, well, we're not gifted. We're not this. We're not that. No, you don't need to be gifted to be hungry for God. And if there's one theme from Genesis to Revelation in the people that God uses, 
It's the theme of hunger in the people that even when they were on the backside of a mountain like Moses or, or they were hidden and forgotten uh, by their father like young David or, or they were hiding in the wine press like Gideon or, 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 or they, they were, well, whoever they were, they were not necessarily the most gifted, talented, noticed people, but there was a hunger for God. There was an honour for His presence and there was a hunger. Catherine Kuhlman Amazing healing evangelist of yesteryear. She says, I was born without talent. And one day I said, wonderful Jesus, I don't have a thing. But if you can take nothing and use it, here's nothing. All I can give you is my love. And the Holy Spirit anointed her. The Holy Spirit empowered her. And thousands upon thousands of people received their healing and breakthrough. And you can go to the Angelus Temple in Los Angeles and see the legacy of faith and of miraculous moves of God because one woman who apparently had nothing just gave God nothing and said, God, come and use nothing. Whatever you can use because God is not looking for giftedness, He's looking for hunger. I wanna ask you today, how hungry are you for God? Because Isaiah 44 says God only promises to pour water on the thirsty land. He only promises to pour streams out on the dry ground. Didn't promise to prophesy or to move or to pour out His Spirit upon people who are self-satisfied. That's why one of the other key essentials is humility is required. He revives the spirit of the lowly, the contrite and the humble. And people who are prideful are self-satisfied. They've got no room for more of God in their life. And that pride leads to a lack of hunger. I asked God one day, how long do you want me to pray? Because we all want to know the formula, right? We want to know one plus one equals two. We want to know how this all works. And if I just plug into the formula, voila, I'm going to get revival. It's all going to happen. The business is going to explode. Great things are going to happen. That's not how it works. Holy Spirit said, wrong question. It's not how, you know, how long do you want me to pray? The Holy Spirit said to me, it's how hungry are you for me? Because when you get hungry for God, it's not about looking at the clock. There's no angels around the throne room of heaven looking at the clock, seeing how long they've been worshipping Jesus. They're just in awe. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God said to me just before the outpouring in our church, I'm only going to go where I'm hungered for, sacrificed for and sought after. He said, much of what my church is doing, I'm not even in. A.W. Tozer said, if the Holy Spirit was taken from the church, the modern church today, 95% of church activity would continue. But if the Holy Spirit was taken from the first century church, 95% of church activity would stop. Because often we get into this mode and this rut where, where we feel, where we make it happen. And yes, we have a part to play. But I, can I remind you, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you something. We've become so enamoured with who's following us and the art of leadership. We've forgotten the call to followership. 
Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And the Lord is coming to the church in this hour and is going, don't miss your day of visitation. Don't miss what I am wanting to do in your midst and in your life. Don't miss it because of a lack of honour for who I am and how I'm moving or a lack of holiness or a lack of humility or, or, or a lack of hunger. But let us be hungry for God again in 2023. You have as much of God today as you wanted him yesterday you you can't get upset at the lack today if, if you didn't really hunger for him yesterday Jesus always responds to hungry people he says blessed are they Matthew 5 6 which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled I wonder if we just stand together The team come up. As the team comes, I recently went over to a church um, in California. We've planted a church in San Francisco and it's an absolute spiritual wasteland at the moment desperately needs a move of God. And as we're there in, on the West Coast of California, we went and visited um, Azusa Street in Los Angeles where the modern day phenomena of Pentecostalism and the move of God broke out in 1906 with a man by the name of William Seymour and the Azusa Street Mission. And we went there, it's a very small street and it's really sad to see that the only remnants of that move of God is a little sign that says Azusa Street, the cradle of worldwide Pentecostalism. 1906. That street has human excrement in it. It's dirty. There's all sorts of brokenness and businesses and brothels and craziness. Once was a move of God. Now it's just a place of spiritual darkness. And yet even in the darkness, there was this sense that, God, you're still here. You still want to do something. We ministered to a council worker that was working there and we prophesied over him and prayed for him in the street. And he said, you know, you need to go to Bonnie Bray House. And I knew about the history of Bonnie Bray House, didn't know you could go there. Bonnie Bray House is where William Seymour, African-American man, the father of the move of God in Azusa Street is where he got baptised in the Holy Spirit in a prayer meeting. We go around to Bonnie Bray House, cut a long story short, couldn't get in because it was all locked up. You had to have a booking weeks in advance. And as we were praying out the front, for just a few minutes, the front door opens and the caretaker, custodian, Mama Soul, a lovely Hispanic spirit-filled lady, opens the door and says, do you want to come in? And we're like, is the Pope Catholic? Yeah, we're, we're, we're coming in. She goes, do you want to come in? We said, yes. She said, I wasn't, I heard your voices and I come here every day and I pray and I look after the property. It's still in its original form. And you hadn't made a booking. I wasn't going to open the door. But the Spirit of God said to me, my favour is on these people. Open the door. Let them come in. And we went in and we're only supposed to be there 10, 20 minutes. An hour and a half later, I had one of the most dynamic, dramatic encounters with God I'd ever had. And in that place, in that very floorboard where William Seymour got filled and baptised with the Holy Spirit, 
because of hunger in his heart for more of God, there we were and we had hands laid on us and, and we prayed and we interceded and, and, and I, I received a, an anointing upon my life that left me shaking and speechless for the next hour. Catherine Coleman's pulpit, literal pulpit was in the next room. We went in there and we, we prayed and we laid hands upon that pulpit and said, God, you've done it once, come and do it again. There was a man, a pastor from India that showed up. He had a booking. He flew literally from India that day. He got on a plane and he landed in, in, at LAX, drove straight to Bonnie Bray House to fulfill the appointment. The lady let, the custodian let him in and he came and he's on his knees. And as we're praying at Catherine Coleman's pulpit, I look at him and the Lord says, prophesy over him 10,000 souls. And so as I began to prophesy, he began to weep and sob uncontrollably. And at the end of his encounter, he said to me, I flew all the way from India today to ask God in this very house for God to give me 10,000 souls. And he says, I've come here and you prophesied the exact thing. He says, I'm jumping back on the plane and I'm going back to India to see a move of God in my city and in my nation. What was that about? God responding to hunger. And so today in this room, I'm gonna ask you, how hungry are you for God to move in your life this year? How hungry are you for God to move in this church? Some of you say, well, I was really hungry a week ago because I was fasting and, and, and that's awesome. But maybe God might wanna ask you to like pray and fast one day a week for the rest of the year. Maybe God might wanna ask you to give up your small ambitions in your business and come and change the world. I don't know what it is that God's asking you to do, but He's asking you to do something. Because a message like this, a moment like this cannot just be glossed over and, oh, it's all good. I'll just get on with my life. Let the preacher stop preaching. I'm starting to get convicted. No, it, it requires a response.